This Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, Joni, and welcome to our listeners. I'm so excited to have you here today, really discussing the Blue Light District. So for those of you that may be joining for the first time or are not well acquainted with Joni by now, she is the CEO of the business called Resilient People. And in a nutshell, she helps people to bounce forward after setbacks, challenges or adversity. Now, Joni lives her dream and does this in various ways. Firstly, as an executive coach, working one-on-one with individuals. As a behavioral strategist, maximizing team cohesion in the new hybrid world of work, and as a keynote speaker, sharing simple biohacks to help all of us bounce forward. In fact, and I love this journey, when you describe yourself or your purpose on the planet, you say to people, I help people boost their energy and mental and emotional agility. And I do this by sharing simple, actionable biohacks to enable people to bounce forward after challenges to living their most optimal life. I love that descriptor. Welcome, Joni. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah, if you know, even if we just knuckled it down, if people had more energy and agility, they would live their best lives because then they'll be able to, you know, we're not our emotions. We just need to kind of know those feelings. We not don't have to be embroiled in them. We'd mentally be able to sort out stuff. Physically, we would sleep well, which we're going to talk about, but we could exercise and then we'd live this purpose-driven life. So to me, the two words that I live by is uh, enabling people to have that energy and agility. It's so jolly important. Absolutely. Fantastic. Now, Joni, the title of part five of our Sleep Your Way to the Top series, we have titled The Blue Light District. And it was a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek moment when we when we coined this term. But if we think about it, we we are being surrounded by a multitude of technological devices. It's difficult for us to to step out of this blue light district, isn't it? It's in your face. It's in your face. And it's I mean, it's really it's all pervasive. So people that speak to me about their sleep issues invariably people who are behind screens all day or on their phones or using TV or phones to relax at night. So this blue light, your brain is being bombarded by it. And, you know, our brains, Karen, haven't really changed that much in the last two million years. So as hunter-gatherers, our brains and our whole body clock, we designed, you know, where our, our, our eyes track the rise and fall of the sun. So living in a blue light district is not good for your brain. And it certainly is a huge detractor from quality deep sleep. Absolutely. And most of us or a lot of people are battling sleep now more than more than what we ever have. And, you know, obviously blue light is a part of that. But it seems to be a quick fix for people is to kind of reach for a sleeping pill. Now, just on that, I have taken half a sleeping tablet in my entire life and I must say I I would never do it again because I kind of went into a panic mode and the pill was obviously just doing what it was designed to do I could feel you know myself calming down but I I kind of went into I thought well maybe my heart was going to stop completely because it's never beat so slowly before and I spent the rest of it it was on a flight 
I spent the rest of the flight really fighting the effects of the sleeping pill because I was so panicked about what it was doing to me. So that was my first only and last experience with a sleeping pill. But it seems to be quite a typical thing that people are, are reaching for this. But what else should we be doing? Because that is not really the solution. Actually, I'm going to just uh, build on this. I wasn't going to speak about this, but just building on your story is I, um, when I lost my husband 15 years ago, I had sleeping pills for about four months and I literally kissed that still knocks box every single night before I went to bed. It was my savior. It gave me only four hours of, you know, knockout, but I had very good experiences with sleeping pills. So I have a memory of them. Um, I did start getting worried when I thought, okay, I put my children to bed at seven o'clock at taking my sleeping pill at 7.30 and then awake at like 11.30. Should I take another one? And then I started taking two a night. So I was really enjoying the effects of sleeping pills. I knew it was good for me. Um, and after four months, I decided to go cold turkey because they got yummier and yummier. So where does this leave us with sleeping pills? Is that there is definitely a use for them um, and trauma and there's a place for them. But we know they aren't good for us long term. We know that, and what I found on my sleeping pills is the next day, so I didn't fight it during the night, but the next day I definitely, my brain wasn't that effective. Um, I was tripping over things, dropping things. I actually one day thought, okay, I'm going to go on a beautiful trail run. <laughs> I came back with two bloody knees and two bloody elbows because I just kept on falling. And I thought, gee, am I so useless? But it was the sleeping pill. So let's try and kick the habit. If you have, if you are using sleeping pills, it's it's kind of an in-depth discussion and you should speak to your doctor about it. But uh, what are the other um, ways of managing your sleep, especially given the blue light district conversation? And the alternative is, and there are many, we've, you know, I think all the episodes, Kieran, that have gone before this would help if you are on sleeping pills. So we've had four episodes. But this one is something that I started using, I think about three or four years ago, as I started wearing blue blocker glasses. That is the blue light district for me, because that blue light that have, comes through into your eyes during the day, that short wavelength light, activates the brain and it says, hey, hey, it's daytime, you know, let's make sure that we give you more cortisol, more adrenaline in your brain and norepinephrine and definitely no melatonin. So when you are, you know, outside, that's fantastic and you're enjoying the day because then you're wide awake and you're really alert. But at night, you don't want to have that wide awake alert feeling. I start wearing my blue blockers at about two o'clock in the afternoon these days because I'm on screens sometimes till about seven o'clock at night. So I'm suggesting that people do that. I'm suggesting that they, they, you know, just research in their own countries, blue blocker glasses. There are many, many, many different brands. And um, you start just reading about, you know, the efficacy of them and where they get their lenses, etc. In some of the blue blocker glasses, you can also have your natural glass lenses inserted. And I vociferously think this is the way to go is to put them on in the afternoon and then walk around your house with them at night. And I'm actually insisting that my grandchildren also wear blue blockers because, you know, their habit is food in terms of supper time, then a bath time, and then they get a treat to watch TV. 
And actually, while they're watching TV, they should have little blue blockers on. And they're divine, funky little designs for youngsters to wear blue blocker glasses. Fantastic. And I'm sure it's fun for them as well. So kind of also a bit of a ritual to put put on their glasses after dinner and have their treat and and watch a bit of TV. So I think that's fantastic. And you've told us a little bit about what blue light does for us during the day. Uh, Is there anything else that we need to expand on there? So what is the function of blue light besides keeping us awake? It is. It really regulates our circadian rhythm or our body clock. So, you know, it's just, I always show people when I'm doing a presentation, Kieran, a brain, and then I just show them the 24-hour clock. And actually, the, the brain is so beautifully designed. So as you wake up, um, I try in the mornings even to have five minutes outside, you know, at first light, looking at the sky, looking at the trees, because the brain then starts to wake up. The brain then says, right, it's daytime. And uh, we'll produce that uh, cortisol for the day. And then I try, you know, the same thing at night is as the sun sets is to have that red light going into in my eyes, because then, you know, the brain says, OK, I understand this clock and what's going on. And actually, there's fascinating research coming out of um, Harvard. Uh, and it's all by I think it's by Dr. Andrew Huberman who's really speaking as an ophthalmologist around the fact that our eyes are an extension of our brain. And we forget about that. You think your brain is just under that skull, but you've got two protruding parts of your brain and your eyes, and they are highly affected by the sun. And that's why blue blockers at night now, because we, as hunter-gatherers, Kieran, we were going to sleep in a cave when the sun set. You know, there was no nighttime activity and bright LED lights, etc. Absolutely, we weren't exposed to that. So I know, even on a personal level, that we need melatonin to sleep. Um, and, you know, we're talking about melatonin, melatonin, but I know that I'm on the homeopathic preparation of melatonin because it really does give you good sleep. But why, you know, what happens at night? Why do we need this? So the melatonin is beautiful for kick-starting your sleep. I find people fall into two categories. They just battle to switch off their brains at night as they get into bed. So they're rethinking the day or they're anxious about tomorrow or next week. So melatonin just says, okay, relax, breathe out moment. And you just drift off, which is so important. It kind of lingers around in the body, but it gets less and less as morning arises. So it doesn't always, the second category of people that two, three o'clock, you don't always have a lot of melatonin in your body to get back to sleep. But I find wearing blue blockers, it's very interesting for me because um, I've got this new puppy. I think I've told uh, listeners about my puppy who I love, my 10-month-old Spaniel. And she is, uh, she's got to sleep on my bed. She's got to sleep right next to me. So I'm now waking up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning like I have a toddler. And uh, I've got to, like, move her over. She's got this tactile thing. For those people who are listening who know the Enneagram, she's a type 7 enthusiast on the Enneagram, and she's got ADHD <laughs> as well. So I have a lot of fun with my dog. But it's I, I, I wake up. I do laugh when I wake up, which is not a, you know, at least I don't wake up irritated. But I think, gee, because I'm sandwiched in the middle here between my husband and my and my dog, and I'm, you know, going through menopause, and I'm jolly, jolly hot in that cool bedroom that I need. I'm, you know, needing to off the duvet. <laughs> but I, I then have to do a little bit of self-talk, and um, I think I've got a lot more melatonin in my system because at three o'clock in the morning, I can go, okay, Joni, there's been a lot of moving around, moving a dog, getting out of the 
you know, throwing off the duvet, getting my feet cool, and now I need to drift off to sleep. And I do, I absolutely do. You know, whether it takes, you know, a minute or five minutes, it doesn't matter. I do a breathing technique. I breathe in for four counts. I hold my breath for seven counts and I breathe out for eight counts. That's another ritual of mine in terms of breathing. And it's uh, it's because I'm quite religious around wearing blue blockers. I've noticed the difference. So I have one, Kieran, on my pair of glasses on my desk, and I've got a pair of glasses um, on my bedside table so that, you know, if I forget one in one area or the other, I've always got them on. And um, I would say it's essential for all of us to wear them now because we are up later at night and we have all these screens around us. Absolutely. And Tony, now you've told us about, you know, your circadian rhythm and the function of kind of blue light during the day or, or shortwave light during the day to kind of keep us awake and stuff. The importance of melatonin to help us go to sleep at night. So now what happens when it's nighttime and we're sending these signals to the brain, but we jump into bed and we switch on our LED lights or we finish work on our laptop or we scroll through our phones mindlessly? <laughs> Okay, then people need to watch, uh, listen to episode four, because uh, no TV in your bedroom and your mobile should be on airplane mode next to your bed so that you're not scrolling through anything on your mobile, any social media or news. And we really should be reading a, um, a paper book. So actually, if I loop back to the beginning stories, we spoke about sleeping pills is I was really fortunate to meet Ariana Huffington in March 2017. We were both speaking at a resilience conference and I knew she would be there. So I read The Sleep Revolution and I, um, I said to her, the big behavioral change that I made in my bedroom is that I've got that low lighting and I wasn't actually, to be honest, wearing blue blockers then, but I was not scrolling through any screens and, you know, laptop or mobile and I was reading a paper book. So coupled with the blue light district is that if you're wearing your blue blockers, uh, make sure that you can read a novel and that absolutely is a way to end your day and calm your brain and get absorbed in, you know, a different a different world. I'm, I no longer read leadership books and emotional intelligence books at the end of the day, which was my habit. And now sink my teeth into a good novel. And that makes a huge difference at the end of the day as well, Kieran. Absolutely. Just on that, I read somewhere, and I, I can't quote it now, we'll have to find the reference, but what they have found is that reading novels actually helps us to increase our empathy. So for, for leaders that are jumping into bed reading, you know, only leadership books, and they are wanting to increase their empathy, they can actually jump into bed with a good novel, and they'll be learning a skill at the same time. That's right. And actually, I've also read that not only empathy, but it increases your creativity. And they've done some fantastic MRI studies on this. So that's part of the front part of your brain behind your forehead is called the prefrontal cortex, that's the executive functioning of the brain. But to the left of that, it's called the left ventricle prefrontal cortex. And that lights up when you're reading a novel because it's a creative, what if, you know, you're joining the dots in different ways when you're getting truly yeah. absorbed. And uh, the world needs a lot more innovative thinking and creativity to solve some of the problems we're facing. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so on that page. I was when I was younger, I used to save novels only for December because I didn't feel that they were, you know, worthwhile reading during the year while I was studying. 
and um, I, I don't do that anymore. I enjoy my novels interspersed with everything else, just to to have a break from that as well. Um, but Joni, let's get back onto melatonin sleeping and and blue lights. So, first of all, it's, we've spoken a lot around wearing the glasses, etc. But are there other practices that you employ in your own life to reduce your exposure or limit the impact of blue light on your sleep? And I suppose what we're look, what I'm looking for here is, you know, it's just there's no escaping it. We are surrounded by it almost 24/7. Even if you think of the Google Home setups that we have in our houses or Alexas or whatever, I mean, that is a screen in your bedroom. It's designed to do all these features, wake you up, but can play sounds to put you to sleep. But essentially, it's still emitting a blue light. So there's no escaping it in today's day and age. What do you suggest? You're so right about that. So in our house, just to give you our daily practice, is any screens are admitting light or if there's, you know, of a, a Wi-Fi system that's got a little blue dot on it, is we put a cloth over that when we go to sleep. So there's absolutely none of those little light emissions in our bedroom. In our lounge area, we have very low lighting. And then um, we spoke about children in a previous episode, is in our children's bedrooms, where we don't have toddlers now, but we do have grandchildren, we've got red light bulbs. So they are cheap as chips, and um, that's the way to go to keep the lighting in the home really, really low. And it gives it that kind of, uh, yeah, the red light district now, but it gives it that <laughs> Coming feeling, um, which is really um, so we don't have any of these bright lights um, on in our in our home, and we are. Um, I mean, we do watch TV as a family very early on in the evening, often before supper. But actually, we switch TV off. So we are big readers in our family, and just uh, I'm quite similar to you, Karen. Is that I? Um, I used to only read novels at the end of the year on my beach holidays, and now it's my real treat on a daily basis to read a good novel. Fantastic. So, Joni, just for our listeners, what is the one quick thing that they can implement today to reduce their exposure to, to blue light? Is uh, the red light bulbs and the blue blocker glasses. That I'm saying two, but I definitely I would re-look at the lighting in my home and I would wear blue blockers. They are not expensive on a daily basis from about 2 p.m. every day. Fantastic. Joni, thank you so much. Uh, what a great discussion. I'm really looking to looking forward to our next discussion, which is part six, where we start exploring the role of nutrition in sleeping um, or having a, a good night's sleep. Uh, just a reminder, we haven't really given any medical advice here, but um, you know, if anybody is listening, it is important to consult a medical professional. Um, Joni is not providing medical advice. And even when we talk about taking homeopathic melatonin, it is uh, should be discussed with your doctor and on an, a very individual uh, basis, if at all. But Joni, you also have, um, just on an, a note on this, you have a Sleep is Your Superpower 10-module uh, online course. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how our listeners could actually reach out to you to, to take advantage of that course? Yes, Karen. So we're just finding that people really need more specificity, detail, things to download. So that 10-module Sleep is Your Superpower course, we've called Eat, Move and Other Lifestyle Habits. And people can uh, get hold of that in the show notes. And it's really useful. You can start to look at sleep diaries and lists of food. We're going on to food in our next episode. 
but they're very practical ways you could start to self-manage uh, your sleep, your environment, and also from a family perspective, you know, what are the kind of rituals that you choose as a family to put in place? I think it's incredibly important that we um, provide our children with these techniques because, you know, their life exponentially will be quite different to ours, as we know, when we reflect back on our parents' lives and no social media. So it's a great, simple course with 10 modules and um, in the show notes, they can get the link. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Joni. Really enjoyed that. Looking forward to the next one. Thank you, Karen.